0: Drink. Okay, we should be up now. So we'll uh, wait a second for people to jump on. But um, excellent. Yeah, I think it connected. So, White Wine Spritzer?
1: White Wine Spritzer.
0: What was yours? Ready Ditch?
1: Big Ditch.
0: Big Ditch. Which is the
1: lake. Yeah, it's uh, after our Erie Canal.
0: All right. All right. And Ali, what, what'd you go for? <laughs> Very nice. Very appropriate. All right. Let me jump over. Um,
1: I'm going to share this. As
2: John Anderson says, I'm having the club soda of beers.
1: <laughs> I like that. Can I share, can I share, it says that it's live now. Can I share this on my Facebook feed?
0: Uh, yeah. People are, I think people so. are
1: adding. Della it like it could
0: explode. I don't know. Oh, okay. But maybe it won't. I all right. Um, fantastic. We are up and running. Let me move it over so I can start to see the comments and we will um, jump in. So I am incredibly thrilled to get to be the session monitor for for today. Um, I've been yeah fortunate to get to know all of you professionally and I could give a long and rambling introduction. I'll just leave it as these are the three high priestesses of real estate development. Um, honestly, like this is, I'm, I'm fortunate to get to host the, the coolest session of the week. Uh, and if you are not fostering uh, real estate development in your community, you're screwing up. And if you are not fostering women becoming real estate developers in your community, you're screwing up even bigger. So with that, uh, thanks so much, uh, Allie, Bernice and Jen for being a part of this. This is wonderful. Um, appreciate it. And with that, I'm turning it over to you. Correct, Jen?
3: Yeah. Hi, everybody. I am Jennifer Acosta. Um, I'm a real estate developer here in MidMichigan. Michigan. Um, I'm also lucky enough to be faculty for the Incremental Development Alliance, which is how I know Bernice and Allie. And I will be drinking a uh, Sauvignon Blanc uh, white wine spritzer and discussing some projects with you guys here today.
1: Hi everybody, my name is Bernice Radel. I'm in Buffalo, New York. And I also am a faculty member of the Incremental Development Alliance and a real estate developer in Buffalo. And I'm drinking a beer. It's actually a local beer called Practically Infinite by uh, Community Beer Works and Big Ditch. So I'm very excited about this one. Um, I'm
2: Allie Quinlan. I'm an architect, a landscape architect and a small developer in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and also teach for the Incremental Development Alliance with these ladies. And as you may have noticed at the beginning of the session, I am having our drink of, of current pandemic. The, cl- the club soda of, of beers.
3: Love it. So I am going to kick us off first. Um, and I'm going to jump into um, my presentation. Hopefully you guys can kind of see it here. Um, this photo is by Phil Ike. So um Phil's been on here quite a bit and he decided to go for a walk with me in a vacant building one time and he takes amazing photos. So I'm lucky enough to have that. Um, A little bit about me, Um, I work as a real estate developer, a community revitalization consultant. Um, I kind of take a finance forward approach and I live here in Midland, Michigan and my real estate development projects are over in Bay City, Michigan. Um, I serve on a ton of boards. I'm super engaged with my community. I think that that's insanely important um, for an area and I absolutely love the time that I put into all these organizations and um, the people that I get to meet and engage with really offer me inspiration. So it's a big part of what I do. So With the Incremental Development Alliance, when Allie or Bernice and I, or any of the other faculty members go out, we kind of talk about this concept of finding your farm um, and cultivating your farm in your local neighborhood, in your community, in your place. So this is my talk about my farm. Um, So I have, I like to say three farms. So we call this the Great Lakes Bay region in the middle of Michigan. Uh, Bay City is my hometown. I graduated from Essex School Garber. I grew up in Bay City. Um, my, both my parents owned buildings in downtown Bay City. So I very much consider downtown Bay City as my hometown. I live over here in Midland, Michigan right now. Um, probably have seen it on the news if you've tuned in at all. Other than uh, COVID, this is pretty much been the top headline because this man-made, um, Dam up here where it says Sanford, this little body of water, the dam broke and has flooded this entire area, um, coming down through Midland and it'll eventually trickle down into Saginaw. Our watershed actually flows north. We are one of the three areas um in the world that has a northerly flowing water system. So it will actually flow out by Bay City. And next week I'm going to be checking basements. Um So in Bay City, this is the the projects that I have worked on. Um, I call that my my Bay City farm and looking at at what I do and how I do it. And so some of these are buildings that um, I'm co-owners with my family on. Some of it is projects that um, I've consulted on. Some are projects I am working on partnerships um, in creating and, and pulling together. So when I first um, hung out my shingle and decided to go into real estate development, why not start with a hundred-year-old um, newspaper building that literally everyone in town had their very first job delivering papers for? Because no one will care what happens with that. Um, so that's exactly what I did, and um, converted this building that was vacant. It's um, it sits right at the edge of the historic downtown into thirty-one lofts. Um, We actually had to build an addition on it to make it work, but it was entirely vacant. Um, The newspaper was just using really the front component of it, and now it is um, these loft apartments. They're full. We have a great sense of community with our residents. Um, We started just hosting like happy hours in, in the common area spaces and doing different things like that, and what happened is they've really all become friends. It's Um, created a a phenomenal community of people in a building that was vacant. Um, And we did residential on the ground floor. So I know that can be a no-no to have residential on the ground floor, but it, it worked where we were. We kind of sat on an area of town that would be equivalent to having a brownstones or something like that. And for this particular project, with all the commercial vacancy that we had on the time, we couldn't do the risk and and put commercial on the ground floor. So we were granted a variance to do that and it's made such a difference um, in the amount of livelihood for downtown. Um, The the next one, this one, um, I don't know, my picture needs to be updated is City Market. So this is my my father's building actually. Um, I grew up riding my bike in the basement and playing in the air handler with my brothers. Um, And when he sold off his company and retired a few years ago, the thought was, you know, what do we do with this 15,000 square foot former JC Penney store in the front. And um, I come from a family of entrepreneurs. My dad's a serial entrepreneur. So how do we come up with a, something that will work? And what we did is we created a, a public market. So city market is host to 20 small businesses. There's also a chiropractor above, there's city office down below. And the entire goal of taking the risk and doing this, this functions as a, as a non-for-profit um, the, the small amount of rent that each booth pays for their square footage. Really, it keeps the lights on, it keeps the air going, and it, it keeps the food cold that's in all the refrigeration units. Um, but it helps incubate small businesses in our area. Um, Heidi's like the, the perfect case example. This is Heidi of Heidi's Darn Good Cookies. She rented the absolute smallest booth that we had at the time. She knew that if she paid the $42 a month, or I think that's about what it was, um, she had to tell like seven dozen cookies, um, a week in order to, to afford it. Well, she had a line out the door on a daily basis. She, within three months, um, she quit her job. Her husband quit his job. They hired two bakers. They bought three ovens. Now they have a brick and mortar. They distribute in, um, all of the, the gas stations, the quick stops, all over. They take private custom orders all the time. And they also have expanded into a larger booth in the market. And now, actually, during um, COVID, what they've done is they've partnered with the coffee shop that's doing curbside coffee. And they've moved all of her stuff up to the coffee booth so that people can actually still buy the cookies that they love with it. So our mission is really to you know support businesses and entrepreneurs. This is city office in the lower level. Um, so, you know, I didn't manage this development. This is, um, I say it's my dad's baby. It's, it's like a, a half sibling or something to me in a way, but it's so important for what we've done for our place that it's absolutely worth um, including. And it's really just a labor of love and a family endeavor. Um, and we program all of our places. So having small business programming, having things that they do all the time that kind of engage the people there. Um, I just tuned in, we were virtually doing a Zoom, um, a work through the Brene Brown um, books about perfection. It was great. Um, The Davidson Building is around the corner. So this is on the same block as the Times Lofts. Um, And we bought this, um, my older brother, my father and I, on its centennial. So it was built in 1918 and we bought it in 2018. um, Relatively stable commercial building. We did not do any major redevelopment. Um, We've been focused on keeping quality tenants, getting new tenants and really taking um, that storefront, that that retail line that's our main retail line for downtown Bay City and making it all retail. So where it currently stood, there were a lot of appointment only businesses. There were offices. So by the time people go and walk by a couple of different buildings or storefronts, if they're not open, they get back in their car and they leave, especially in a cold Michigan winter. If we can create it so it's all retail, retail, retail at the time, they're more likely to walk that block and enjoy the experience. Um, and lighting, this lighting was, you know, it was less than a $10,000 ad and it's just made a huge difference to get people to stay, especially in, in winters and after five o'clock. Um, this one's kind of my, my big, my big baby or, or my stubborn child this was the legacy um so this was a former bank building done in 1960 and it was covered with a mid-century modern facade um and they completely re-engineered the lower two levels so this was vacant for a couple of years it sits at the proper four corners of our downtown um bob gibbs would say since there's a kresge right across you know that it's the four corners because kresge's purchasing policy was only to locate on the four corners of any downtown. So if there's a Kresge across new, you you know you're in the heart of a city. Um, This building, we decided to take it on um, even though we had to remove the facade, it was a historic rehab um, and it was just a a case of pure disinvestment, right? You have a two-story bank lobby, you have this beautiful facade under um, this metal uh, modern. and We couldn't do housing with it as modern because you wouldn't have had any light. There was no light in the uppers. Um, So it is now um, fully, fully done and occupied and stable. The ground floor is a restaurant. It's uh, one of our only uh, women owned restaurants and our only female chef in our region in this town. Also. the uppers are 26 apartments. So there's Amberlyn. it's her restaurant. Um, she's phenomenal, they serve a farm to table, they do all like Michigan based agriculture and they change their menu four or five times a year just based on what's in season. And it's all food that tastes like Michigan, that tastes like the kinds of things that your grandparents made and that you grew up around here that are very seasonal and very quintessentially Midwestern Michigan foods. Um, you also can see that's Phil's office. You've probably seen in the background if you've watched any of his talks. Um, but I was building out an office for myself and then realized I would be completely biased in, in building out an office that I wouldn't often be at because I, I do work from a home office often. And Phil was looking for an office and I said, here, I've got one, like I'm not gonna use it enough. Um, so Phil is amazing in renting that. Um, and we really focus on clean lit spaces. So our apartments are full of character. They're clean and simple. They're designed for you to put your own um, Your own design touch on and then we also do um, This is a vacant site it was a former gas station site in in rebuilding that and I really don't want to go um, much over on this because I, I want to give the other time but you know, there's also some stuff in here on Saginaw and Midland. Um, And I think right now, if I leave you with anything is I'm putting together deals right now as a real estate developer. One of the biggest things that I'm also looking for is how do we create a new deal structure and create a win-win-win? We're in a very small market where, you know, it it takes public-private partnerships, right? I, I can't necessarily... Um, underwrite everything that I want to do the cost of the project doesn't match what the bank's willing to loan because our markets not that high and I'm, I'm not going to charge ridiculous rent amount amounts that aren't feasible for area residents. Um, I'd be sitting with a vacant building i'd be going just from vacant to vacant so i've really been working with partners in building out a new fund structure where we have a developer that's committed to additive development, and then we have the investors in the bank. Um, that are in for that long-term run. And then we're also adding in to fill the gap. We're also using institutional equity and impact investment, um, even if that comes from, you know, a credit union, like our local banks and credit unions are interested in not just underwriting the loans, but potentially being a part of development within the area, the way that things used to be. So um, I think that If I leave you with anything, you know, don't be afraid to think about things differently. And with that, I am going to hand it over to Bernice.
1: Thank you, Jen, so much. That was amazing. I was on mute. And I have to say, I have personally eaten at that female owned business in Bay city and it was awesome. And the biscuits were shaped like Michigan. So 100% supportive of the projects that Jen does. Um, I'm gonna share my screen real quick. Pull this up, hold on one second. Yes, if it's
3: not Instagrammable, don't do it. That's the biggest thing for our businesses, right Bernice?
1: Uh, <laughs> yes, if it's not Instagram, <laughs> that's my rule. Uh, let me see here. Oh crap, hold on. Can you see my screen? Not sure. Yes. Yeah, hold on one second. All right, I think I got it, play. All right, cool, here we go. All right, so everybody, my name is Bernice. I live in Buffalo, New York. Yes, we have a bunch of chicken wings. We eat chicken wings all the time. Yes, it's, there's like blizzards all the time and it snows a lot, but it's also a beautiful, historic, uh, incredible Rust Belt city that I love and a lot of people love. And uh, we're doing a lot of the kind of cool things to bring it back to life. And so, um, so I started this company, Buffalo of Development, eight years ago Basically, because we were literally tearing down thousands of buildings in our communities every year. And I said, What the heck? We have to do something about this. And as a millennial with student loan debt and uh, lots of no money, let's say zero dollars in my own pocket, I said, Well, how am I going to save these historic buildings and bring them back to life? So I just honestly, I just put together a name, an idea, a vision, bought an LLC. Said I'm going to save these things and went on a journey, and so I'm not going to share all of that journey with you, but I want to share a couple of projects, a couple of takeaways, and uh, and kind of give you know give you what I can. So, um, so this is my office building. It's a great example of what we believe in. I have actually repaired the little roof piece that you can see in this picture that's flown off. It's been repaired. Um, Buffalo is a community driven. Uh, you know, community-impacted impactful uh, uh, business focused on renovating buildings in Buffalo and in my neighborhood. Just like Jen had said, we try to find our farm. You know, we try to live and breathe. I want to walk or bike to every project I have, and I mean that sincerely. So this is a great little project. This is our office. Uh, Buffalo has been around for eight years. We have 10 uh, full-time full-time employees. We do uh, dozens of projects every year. Renovation projects. We property manage. We rent. We rent. We lease. We sell the uh, buildings. We sort of do full service, vertically integrated, to give you our best because I have really high standards, I guess, and I know that we want to have a good product that we put out on the market. So, if I could wrap up like my philosophy in a in a quote, this is a quote I say all the time, which is a rose. It's Roosevelt quote: "Do what you can." with what you have where you are. And so for me small scale incremental development is not just about the development it's about or the building it's about the people it's about the community it's about taking time in this picture taking time out of my day to plant perennial flowers bluebells you know in a in a pot that i bought from home depot you know in a park that i don't own that is that picture right there. And so our, I, I guess I, I say it because so many people think development is about spreadsheets and it is, it truly is and finance and it is, but so much of what we do is really focused on all the little baby things that really bring joy and happiness to people and it, it helps all along the line. So I'm gonna, go, I'm gonna show you kind of some of these projects that I've worked on as quickly as I can. So this building, This building I named the Huntress. You might say, uh, this is a little tiny building. Why would you waste such a cool name on such a little tiny building? And I would say, I think the Huntress is a fierce, ferocious little babe that will just kill you with one swoop of her arrow. And that is to me is like, (laughs) is this building, this little tiny building. This building is three units, one house, two storefronts, uh, 600, 600 square foot storefronts, little tiny little things. I can walk to this, bu- this building. I live two blocks away from it. Um, this building was not vacant, but it, wasn't, it was sincere. It was severely underutilized when, when I bought it. And uh, we bought it. I had a, a lovely, kind guy who gave me the money to buy it. We renovated it, we brought it back to life. And the story of this is actually one of small business. So this building is on a main thoroughfare, wasn't uh, you know, contributing to the walkability of the community, but it had the potential to contribute to the walkability of the community. So we worked with two business owners, three, really three business owners to open uh, and open in this little building. So on uh, your, on the top there, you can see a future suite, home suite home, that is a popcorn shop that wanted, you know, again, just like Jen mentioned, they sell popcorn. Actually, I have the popcorn right here. Not kidding. See that, mm, right? They said, Bernice, we've been doing these pop-ups. We wanna have a storefront space. Okay, let's do it. Let's rent the, state, the space out. And then on the lower is Netta. She's a, she does nails and my nails are not done actually, <laughs> because it, it's quarantine, but she does great nails. And the two of them came together to, uh, to believe in me In my vision that I wanted a really cool, ferocious building called The Huntress led by small company in a small building led by small businesses. And then the the third person who you cannot see is this wonderful, amazing woman named Heather who actually has her photo studio in the back, in the house in the back. So there's actually in this little tiny baby building, you know, the most incremental and small scale thing you can imagine. There are three businesses that support families, they support their communities, they support uh, you know, employees, they pay for other people to work here. It's a big deal. And so this is what I'm all about. I think you know, on a, I think real estate development is great. Like you can do big stuff, little stuff, blah, blah, blah. I want all the little storefronts. I want all the little babies like this. And I wanna name all of them something amazing and ferocious. In fact, I do have a history of naming our buildings after strong women, as, just so you know. Um, so, then the second building I wanted to highlight is uh, a building that we call Sprout. So this little building, uh, we, I walked by, biked by, and drove by a bunch of times. All I noticed was the really cute little window at the top, but I didn't really notice anything else about it. I get a text from a real estate professional saying, hey, I've got this building for sale. Uh, you know, are you interested? And I said, yeah, I'd like to take a look. Well because the city of buffalo just updated our zoning code this building that was illegal because it has a little storefront became legal basically overnight with our new zoning code and um i just said well man let's let's buy it let's restore it so we actually this is a kind of a different story um you know this is like an unveiling type of story it's a, a, a i named it sprout for a reason i just felt like it's a little sprout you know it's just a little little neighborhood uh really cute little building in the middle of the neighborhood it's actually on a residential street there are no other storefronts really on this block and so i we we actually convinced the bank to give us an after renovation value loan which is a really big thing if i wanted to give you a piece of advice this building is was worth $85,000 on this. That's what they wanted to put it for sale. I convinced the bank and the appraisers that it was worth $185,000, which it is. Uh, It is now. Um, And they looked at me a little sideways, but I said to them, well, we have to, we need this much money to renovate it. So it's got to be worth $185,000. So we sort of pushed it. So we, we renovated it, renovated all the apartments. And you'll see this like happy little smiley face lady up here, her name is Sadie. She actually was a former resident in another building. And she said, oh, I'm looking for a place to like kind of open up a pie shop of some sort. I don't know, I've been making these pies and they're delicious. And I looked at her and I was like, I have the best building for you ever. Its name is Sprout, would you be interested? And soon enough, here she comes with her pies and her coffee. And now we have uh, this really great little three unit building, two apartments, and a little storefront called Foibles. And I don't have a pie to show you, but I promise you her pies are amazing. And one other little piece of advice, when you wanna go for a small business loan, bring your product because Sadie walked into the loan committee with her pies and gave every person at this big table a slice of pie and walked out with $18,000 to open her business, which is amazing. So just a little piece of advice. So, um, and then, you know, as I said, Buffalo goes beyond the uh, buildings a lot. And so we kind of incorporate art and uh, and fun and play as much as we can. I love things to be cute as fuck. There I swore, (laughs) a little uncomfortable to swear on a random presentation mode, but I want things to be cute as fuck. I want things to be fun and silly as much as we can. So we actually invest in community gardens, we work hard uh, to invest in art wherever we can. We have sculptures in vacant lots. We have big murals on buildings. We have small murals in our apartments. Um, we try to do what we can to really beautify, uh, beautify stuff. We, I, Buffalo, Buffalo is the Rust Belt. We have lost fifty percent of our population. We have vacant lots. We have vacant buildings. We have so much, you know, negativity around us at times that bringing joy to people is such a critical component of development. It really is so nice to make people smile. So I really try to aim for colorful you know, buildings, flowers, tulips, sculptures, whatever we can do, we try to, we try to just like have a lot of fun with it. So, and then the last thing I wanted to say, uh, I have some words of wisdom, but the, the last photos I wanted to capture really were, was that um, none of this is like done by me, right? This is not I, this is we. And I wanted to show like that. It just takes a village. If you're out there thinking about how to do real estate development and you're thinking I can renovate these buildings, no big deal. I'm going to tell you, you better get the best team ever. Get a great team, get a great uh, group of people around you, get a great accountant, a great attorney, etc. It takes a village for this to really work. And um, and I so I have to like highlight all of these lovely people that make it happen. Like with the Huntress, even before what's poppin the the popcorn shop opened, we had to do a dance party, uh, art pop up, uh, dinner pop up inside the storefront. We had to we had to do like uh, Heather had um, like sexy photos up in the attic like with her girlfriends, so taking pictures. Like she, she we had to like build this energy and this idea of this building is going to come back online and this building is going to be great just to sort of get that momentum rolling and it just it just takes a village it takes a village so I wanted to make sure that came across and so I could talk about projects all the time we've done hundreds of projects we have millions of dollars over the years that we've done uh, whether renovation or property management or, or development over the last eight years but it all kind of boils down to this Sort of random wisdom, lessons, thoughts. You know, I just wrote, what are my two cents? What comes to my mind that I can tell you about that, uh, you know, I can help kind of guide you if, if we needed to. Um, and I just, I just want to say, I'm like, make sure you have a really great team. Have a purpose that is not all about money. Yes, you have to meet your bank requirements. Yes, you have to pay the bills, but you, it can't be all about a spreadsheet. And when it is, it shows. It shows so bad, because typically renovations are done ugly and short-sighted. When you're not thinking about money necessarily, when that's a part of it, but you're thinking about the long term, you're thinking about, what, about the community, you make sacrifices that are so worth it. So I just want to make sure I say that. Focus on the little things. I spend every fall and every spring, we plant trees, we plant tulips, we plant I have friends who will weed out their gardens, give me daylilies and I'll take them and I'll plant them somewhere. Um, sometimes uh, you know, residents, they, the, their, um, their happiness is driven by the fact that you bought $12 planters for the, for the front porch or additional solar lighting or lots of little things that just really make people's quality of life be better. And that's what's missing in most of our uh, real estate development projects. Um, have, people, <laughs> have people, this is for you, for Jen and Allie, have people that you can call on when you need to cry. This is for everybody, but Jen and Allie and I literally get on the phone and we complain and we cry and we drink in the morning sometimes if we have to, if it's been a really bad Sunday or bad week. Um, you know, you really have to have people that you can lean on. Um, development isn't about the building, it's about the neighborhood and the relationships you build find your style and go with it, okay? Like I I aim for cute all the time and I go with it. My houses are pink and teal and purple, like super adorable, always cute. Um, one of the key things that I say a lot is believe in yourself but also believe in your community. When people don't believe in their community, they don't invest in the community. So if you, Believe that your flowers are going to be stolen, your planters are going to be stolen. Why put art on the wall? It's just going to be graffitied. If you believe that, it will happen. Because the moment you put yourself out there and you make it more beautiful, I have found—not always—but I have found that you are uh, people respect people respect it, and they really do love it, and they don't destroy the planters or destroy the art and destroy the garden. Um, I've, I could count on one hand how many things have been stolen or destroyed over the years and some of it is not from the neighborhood. It's like weird vindictive jerks but that's another side side comment. Um, so don't be afraid to take a chance on people. Uh, I think when you're working in development you have to take chances on residents. You have to take chances on um, your small businesses. You know I tried Stefan's popcorn, and I was like, hell yes, let's do this. I tried um, Sadie's pies, and I was like, who doesn't like pie? Like, yes, let's do pie. Okay. Uh, you know, Netta had her nail salon, and you know, all these other businesses, all these residents, they, they need someone to take a chance on them. You know, Buffalo would not have gotten, I would not have gotten our first office if it wasn't for someone who knew me who took a chance on me. He gave me a storefront for 455 square foot storefront to operate out of without a lease on a month to month basis. He just said, take it. I didn't need to have a credit check or anything. He just let me. And I was able to grow my whole business out of that little tiny storefront with one desk. So don't be afraid to take a chance on people, please. Another key piece of advice is always have contracts and insurance. Always have contracts and insurance always 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 get the insurance always have the contracts, please trust me when I say this. The last thing you need is a lawsuit and I I know that you were thinking like what trust me on my first project ever I was I don't want to scare you but on my first project ever I got into a lawsuit issue because of a contractor because. Didn't state something. It was awful. I learned a lot, you know. So always have contracts. Always have insurance. If you have questions about contracts and insurance, call us. We're here, available to help you at any time. Um, maybe not for free all the time, but you know, call us if you need some help. Um, and then finally, just love what you do. Love it so damn hard that it hurts. Love it because you have to love it. Because in development, you know, I'm going to be very honest. Development does not pay my bills development doesn't pay my paycheck. Um, part of it does like renovation does, but development, like you think you're going to be rich and wealthy. Sure. That might be the case, but p- I promise you that you have to love what you do because the day that you get a call at 10 and at 10 PM at night on a Friday, that the glass, a glass was broken because your transgender tenant, this has happened to me, a transgender tenant had a, uh, had an issue with somebody was, attacking them and threw a rock at their, at their window. And I had to go there and sweep it up. Hell yes. I was there to sweep it up because I love that person, that human being, I don't care who they're, what their deal is, but I also love what I do. And so I really got to stress that you got to love what you do. you got to be willing to be available on Saturdays and Sundays and Mondays and all days. And so, so with that, that's my like random two cents, random development. I I know we're doing I'm doing okay on time. So I will pass it over to Allie, who is also one of the best females I've ever worked with. And I just love her to death. So uh, I think that's it for me. And let me stop this share there.
2: (laughs) Hi, guys. Um, All right, let's see if I can figure out technology here. Love it, Denise. I'm excited for Allie. Um, and I think it's showing my. See, I see it. I can see the
1: screen. Oh now I can. One second. You know, quarantine, ten weeks in, still trying to figure out the technology. Like, like you what?
2: really would think that we'd like figure this out by now, but I sadly
1: have not. It's okay. I did see it for a second, but now I don't see it. Okay. Um, While you're doing that. Oh, perfect. About now. Yep. There
2: we go. Third time's a charm. Um, Okay guys, so um, I am, uh, as I mentioned, an architect, a landscape architect. I'm also a small developer. I was a planning commissioner here in Fayetteville for a few years. Um, So I come at building and development from a lot of different hats. Um, As Brittany said, development does not pay my bills. Development, yeah, uh, is sort of second on this list for a reason. So I have an uh, architecture and landscape company um, called Flintlock Lab that we've got a team of seven right now um, that is really what pays our bills, but Flintlock Development um, has been a major piece of my time and, and something I really care about for the last five years. Um, and I'm also co-founder of Valkyrie Design Cooperative, although um, one of our three co-founders passed away suddenly last year. So we've had a lot of changes um, in in kind of what we were hoping to see come from that. Um, so as Bernie said too, um, my team is awesome. Um, my team is kind of a really interesting group of people. We already mostly worked from home. So this has been kind of a funny, um, we, were, we were like the pre-quarantine company where there's only like one or two people in, in our office and it's tiny and we can never all fit inside there. Um, but, you know, jumping right back into almost kind of the thing that, that links almost everything that we do, um, you know, this is sort of every city in America pre-COVID, right, when we were still uh, getting in our cars to drive to work, probably to drive downtown um, where the businesses live, um, prior to when we stopped wearing pants to work. Um, And you know, they're driving from here, the place where where the people live, in separate houses with yards and wide streets, so you can drive faster on your way downtown to where the businesses are. And it's been, it was interesting kind of thinking about retooling um, this presentation in the kind of age of COVID, that this pattern, you know, is, there's so many voices saying that this pattern is really the only safe way to build in the future, that this is like social distance as a development pattern, that cities are unsafe. And um, so I, I wanted to retool this a little bit, you know, focus wise um, to talk about how to ab- keep advocating for growing and nurturing development and diversity in your downtowns um, against kind of this newest challenge to traditional building patterns. Um, so we mentioned we all work for Inkdev. Um, and Inkdev really talks a lot about, uh, you know, downtown businesses are important, but businesses need people who live around the corner, customers need housing. So that's been one of the, the big um, things that I have spent my time on the last few years is figuring out how to put housing near businesses downtowns. Um, you know, monoculture cities, the ones where businesses have a have a district and the houses have a district and the tattoo parlors and payday lenders have a district. Um, They require a lot of external inputs, just like agricultural monocultures. They're not a great idea. Um, And if you've heard me speak before, you are maybe getting tired of this joke, but I often, I'm gonna keep telling it, I often do say that the worst thing about living in Arkansas is telling people that you live in Arkansas. Um, It is such a lovely place to live, um, but there's such an expectation um, in the rest of the country. Um, But you know, jokes aside, I'm, I'm in Fayetteville, um, and it's fantastic. Um, our housing prices have gone up 30% in the last five years, which is not fantastic. Um, but some of that is for the last three years running, Fayetteville's been ranked um, in the top five places to live in the nation. Um, last year, the Seattle mayor sniped on Twitter about losing out to Arkansas, but she sadly did. Um, we I know have plenty of friends who have moved from Seattle um, who, could, who could argue with her. Um, and a lot of our growth has been around Uh, Low unemployment rates, you know, prior to first quarter 2020. Um, We've got really impressive amenities. We have, you know, a trail that connects the five downtowns um, here in Northwest Arkansas. We've got an art theater and music scene. We have thriving downtowns with quirky restaurants and galleries and boutiques. Um, We've got the flagship state university Um, and the fortune one company in the country, which is double the size of the next company on the list um, is headquartered here, which, which helps. Um, and we're a town that has like all the great goals, right? We, we have all the goals. Um, and we still are growing, right? All, all pretty much entirely at the edges. Um, you can spot downtown there in the middle, like a sad little, it didn't even make the, the growth chart. Um, and a lot of that is, it's just really hard to build downtown. Right. Um, as, as these ladies are talking and as I hope you guys are hearing, this is a really complicated business and if you don't feel really passionate about it, you're not willing to work very, very hard at it every day, um, you're not going to stick with it. And so not a lot of people do it. Um, I added this one too. I think this is important. Ink Dev really tries their best to help with this number five, but um, it's very, very difficult to talk people into doing the amount of work and brain damage that this kind of stuff takes. Um, and you saw Bernice and Jen's farm. So here's my farm, this is downtown Fayetteville. Um, and every time I do this talk, I get to add another couple of pink dots, which is fun. So I'm gonna really quickly run through just a couple of projects. And these are a mix of projects um, that I've done as a developer and projects I've done as a designer. There's even one of them that I did as an owner, owner's rep. So I really am very omnivorous in how it how takes, it t- you know, what it takes to be on the project team to get stuff done. Um, this is one of the projects that I um, inherited from one of our partners, Anne, last year. Um, Feed and Folly, it's a little restaurant that was in a vacant building, that, like there were dead pigeons and holes in the ceiling. And they had a pretty massive renovation that was very, it was one of those that, you know, you're, you're kind of wondering whether your city actually just wants you to tear it down and not have a business in it as you go through in terms of permitting issues and lack of flexibility and kind of, you know, the most stringent, difficult version of the code possible. Um, And they also had the bad luck to, this is their soft opening on the left, which was the day before our governor shut down restaurants in Arkansas. So they very quickly had to transition in their second day of business to a fully pickup model. Um, One of the things that has worked out okay is their rooftop was twice as large as they would allow from an occupancy standpoint. They decided after we built it and we were almost done. Um, So we had to limit the occupancy um, pretty significantly with large planters and really spaced out soft seating and very few tables so they've now opened um, up the rooftop now it's already socially distanced um, so you know this this one's kind of worked out um, these are the tiny houses on 9th street these are it's a set of um, four 550 square foot houses on a 50 by 150 infill lot um, here in Fayetteville and they sold sea simple um for an astronomical price per square foot but a really really affordable total purchase price um all four of them sold within three days of going on the market um and they were i think one of the most exciting projects just in terms of they did take 17 variances but we got all of them you know first hearing so that is one of the benefits of the city of Fayetteville is they can be really flexible um when they support a project One thing that I really think about, though, if you are a person who has any power over this, this is a soapbox that I often get on. So this is a fourplex. It's actually across the street from my house. Um, I live over to the right at a frame. And the next project you're going to see is back behind this, right behind that that board fence. Um, It was a grand kind of mansion in our historic district. Um, In the Depression, it was broken up into four one-bedroom apartments. A new owner bought it and wanted to keep it for one bedroom apartments and they wanted to replace the siding, which was rotten and replace the roof. Um, So our city uh, building inspector decided that those level upgrades would cause the building to need to be brought completely up to code. And so it now has, it was a $300,000 fourplex, um, which now has an $80,000 fire sprinkler system. So if, if you are a city person who has control over this, um, think about fire sprinklers as telling people that you want them to like just tear the building down. That's, that's really what fire sprinklers are to me in most cases. When you have really good egress routes, um, you know, an ability to get people safely out of the building. Um, so this is um, a really great though example of, this is the kind of building that you cannot easily build again. And so buying and saving these is so important to, to neighborhood diversity. You know, this is kind of the most expensive neighborhood probably in our region, and, you know, it's four little one-bedroom apartments. They are expensive, right? I'm not going to pre- pretend that these are affordable housing, especially not after they're trying to pay for that uh, sprinkler system, but it is an opportunity for four people who just need a little one-bedroom to live in a neighborhood that has these big grand houses, so think about neighborhood diversity in type, in terms of unit types, um, in terms of user, not just in terms of price point. So this is the grocery store um, behind that house. Um, It's been a grocery store since the sixties. It was a very ugly, sad building. And they did a renovation that I think made it even sadder. And and then they went out of business. Um, So our our local food co-op has purchased the building and they are renovating it. It's supposed to open. um, They're closing at their old location on Friday. It's supposed to open next week. So, um, you know, everybody's in like full crisis panic mode. Right now, the the outside of the building is not quite done, but it's. It's a really great, um, you know, not necessarily change of use, but incredibly increase in use. You know, it's got um, all of all the things that you would want your neighborhood grocery to have. It's got a tap room and a coffee shop and you know, a really great cheese counter and this huge patio on the right. They converted a big section of parking lot facing um, our major street into a big front porch. And the raised planters all have um, native edible um, gardens in them. So, passersby can grab a native uh, ground cherry on their way by. Um, this is a series of houses, it's actually a trio of houses, this one's my favorite though, um, that we did as part of a lifelong project. So, I was the architect for these for another small developer who is great um, and we did it designed as a three-bedroom house that has a one-bedroom fully wheelchair accessible um, accessory dwelling unit attached on the ground floor. And it's a locked door ADU, so the whole house can operate as a really big four bedroom, or you can close the door, lease one side or the other, um, and the house can flex with you as family needs and budget and, you know, life changes. So thinking about how to do adaptable housing, um, things that work for more than just the next five years of your life, um, and that can really live and adapt in a neighborhood. Um, this is one of the first, uh, this is the first commercial building that I've done um, as a small developer on, on the team. It was this very sad little unloved building. Um, it, we also designed it as our office and then it's now someone else's office. But we had tenants move in um, last week and um, sign a one-year lease. So it's, it's nice to have like a stable kind of complete building um, coming down. But this is also a little downtown, just simple storefront, although it needs more, more storefront, it needs more glass. We're getting there. And then this is uh, my kind of biggest um, development project, Um, South Street Cottages, which is um, six blocks from our downtown square. We have one of the best farmer's markets in the country, which is usually on that square and usually packed to the gills. um, And I can't wait until it's back. Um, The site also though has expansive heavy clay, seasonal springs, 14% slope, no sewer line. Um, you know all the worst things possible. Um, it's the sort of problem child that you end up working with, though, if you're going to work downtowns, right? All the easy stuff already has a building on it. Um, lots and buildings are generally underdeveloped or empty because there's something wrong with them. So I think as a small developer working downtown, that's one thing to really embrace um, is figuring out how to work within within those issues, and being really open-minded. Um, you know, we went off the reservation a little bit, but we tried to do it with style. Um, If you're familiar with Austin's uh, bumper sticker that says, Keep keep Austin Weird, we have our own take, which is Keep Fayetteville Funky, um, which I think is now starting to be said a little ironically. Um, But it is a southern college town and an agricultural state, and people have a weird, and I love this, but, um, you know, a really surprising passion about invasive plants. So, during a period during our entitlement, we hired um, a company, a local company called the Greedy Goats, which are green yard care, to come and remove all the invasive honeysuckle on the site. Um, And they really operated as kind of a project ambassador. Connie was there with the goats every day for a month. And so, as neighbors walked by, kind of wondering what was going on, she was there to tell them, you know, tell them about the project. And we ended the month of goat ambassadorship um, with a pop up petting zoo. So, Connie bought that year's. Crop of baby goats, the kids, and a local popsicle company from a couple blocks away brought natural fruit popsicles. Um, there was a cooler of them in the back with alcohol in them, which was key. Um, we, we worked out with the after the community center's after school program to do a teaching program um, for their after school kids about design, development, and architecture. So we walked them. Um, down to the Petting Zoo and and they got to answer some questions. And um, they also told me on the on the walk down that there's a vending machine um, earlier. Or there's a vending machine at a motorcycle shop that's right at that corner. That was the only place that they could go to get food and drinks um, if their parents were at work. So we now took that and several years later are still committed even after this like recent collapse of everything. We're still really committed that we're going to put a bodega in in our corner building. Um, Because I do take tenant and development recommendations from eight year olds very seriously. Um, But this did, you know, it allowed us to get to know the neighbors, this focus on putting people and the community and, you know, first doing, assuming that people will be nice, you know, if you're kind of out with their best interests at heart. it really worked out. So we were able to rezone the property without a single piece of public opposition from a single family, very traditional kind of sprawl zoning to something that we could do like seven story buildings with bars on every floor. Um, And we didn't, I'll say we we didn't do any bars, um, but we did come up with a pretty dense site plan. So, you know, it still feels neighborhood oriented, but it it hits at about a 22 units per acre density. but it really so is one of our first phase houses. Part of the secret sauce of this project and what we try to do is a lot of what Bernice is talking about. It's building projects with, I thought this was funny because I also had this slide in here. It's our CAS design model. So it's everything has to be cute as fuck. Um, people are so used to ugly, boring projects that they will forgive a multitude of sins like no covered parking or coat closets or powder rooms. Um, if the project's really cute, It should also be in the right place, walkable to businesses, you know, but but build houses that people like, that are nice to the neighbors as they walk by, right? They have interesting details that are fun to walk by. They have good good connected sidewalks um, and fun to live in. Um, I'm also really big on the concept of loss leader design. Um, So you can't make everything mediocre, right? You have to pick a couple of things and balance it out with affordable other things. But, you know, build a couple of things that just make people happy. Um, that are investments in this long term. So ours in our first phase was we did a full cedar shingle house, which in no way penciled um, and is one of the cutest things still in the project. Um, and in the second phase, we did this uh, rounded wrap around porch, which is beautiful. Even the decking upstairs is like herring boned in on the diagonal, um, you know, and it's just, it's something that people have commented on the entire time we've done this. They notice what these things are. We don't tell them what they are. And it's the thing that people comment on. So, you know, do things that don't always make financial sense. You do still have to be able to pay for them. But you know, let let there be a couple of things that are your driver is not financial. Um, and then be creative about how you get density in. So this is a project we ended up keeping. So the front it looks fairly similar in size to the rest of them. You can see it um, in the next slide, kind of in context. But um, we did a little two-bedroom house in the front. We don't have a lot of small houses. You know, 30% of households are already one to three or one to two people, and that percentage is slated to go up. So you know, the one and two-bedroom houses. have been very popular here in terms of filling a market need and also helping get one-person households out of three and four-bedroom houses that are then available for families. Um, So we did a little two-bedroom house up front um, with a garage apartment in the back, and we designed it around, we actually kind of sat down with plans early on with our underwriters and asked them to make sure that this met all of the underwriting standards so that we could appraise the entire thing as one connected house. So that connected door is key. I'm going to keep preaching the connected door on ADs. And we called that the Arkansas side yard. We couldn't afford the big, pretty Charleston side yard porch. So this is South Street cottages. Um, Our first six houses are done and we're working on entitling our next four lots and then a townhouse cluster um, to the inside of the lot. But I was just gonna leave us with kind of my final thoughts on this are just design for diversity, right? Design for resiliency, design buildings that can change and be flexible and adjust because none of us know what's coming next as I hopefully, you know, the last few months have all shown us. And then really design with an eye towards being kind to people, both your tenants and your neighbors. Um, And this will work out, right? But you do, you have to be driven about designing and developing downtown, especially focused on the long-term and the community, Um, or you will show up at work one day and just give up because this this is the kind of project, you know, the kind of business that you do end up meeting friends to like day drink with with tears bernice was not kidding about that that happened fairly recently we mixed it with
1: juice so i think that makes it okay Uh it did all right that was awesome that Uh, was
0: allison can you pop off screen share yes uh that was fantastic comments were amazing and uh not a huge surprise but everybody loved it i so the thing with unconference, it's a little like uh, it's a little hard to overlap with the next session. So I have a big favor to ask all of you um, instead of doing a QA and a right now, is there any chance I can get the three of you back in, let's say, a month to do a huge like, Q&A, an hour, just question and answer and really like dig in on some of these topics? Because my particular interest is how do we get cities to do a better job of fostering local real estate development because i think it's the key and i'd love to have a chance to dig in on some of that
3: we love to talk about that and we have talked about just getting together and doing q and a's and shooting the shit with people for quite some time
1: yeah yeah we are <laughs> and i we could also probably um add some comments in the thread on facebook just to make sure everybody gets their answers you know
0: all right um but yeah let's do it much appreciated, but uh, yeah, let's let's next month we will do uh, a Q&A session and, and really dig in on some of these and invite everybody back because the content's so good, but I know there's a lot of great questions um, and we ran out of time.
1: Well, thanks for everybody for being there out there in Facebook land. We do appreciate it very much. And thanks, Jeff.
0: Uh, oh, Bernice, Jen, Allison, thank you guys so much for doing this. It's fantastic. And I can't wait to reconvene. See you guys at the happy hour. Bye, <laughs>